0: Hi, everyone. Today, we're going to talk about the Wall Street Journal's bombshell report about the toxic culture at the FDIC and what lessons you can learn from it to build a strong ethical culture at your workplace. I'm your host, Bill Coffin, and this is The Ethicast. On November 13th, The Wall Street Journal published a bombshell report by Rebecca Ballhaus detailing a pervasive toxic culture at the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, or FDIC, the federal agency that oversees the stability of the U.S. banking system. The report involved interviews with more than 100 FDIC employees and detailed a gruesome record of misbehavior, including misogyny, sexual harassment, alcohol abuse, managerial neglect, speak-up retaliation, and more. For those who have not yet read this report, we recommend that you do once you're finished with this episode. It's a terrific piece of reporting, and we will provide a link to it in the show notes. This report and its subsequent coverage has thrown the FDIC into turmoil as it faces strong calls for how banking regulation should be overhauled in the wake of three high-profile bank failures this spring. And it has prompted calls for FDIC Chair Martin Grunberg to resign amid allegations that he ignored the FDIC's cultural issues when they were brought to his attention. Joining us today to offer her expert insight on what lessons ethics and compliance professionals can learn from the situation at the FDIC is Ethosphere's Chief Strategy Officer and Executive Chair, Erica Salmon-Byrne. Erica, welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Bill. Always happy to uh, to chat these kinds of things through with you. although. Is this our third Ethisphere Reacts to a news event in like as many weeks? I think we need people yeah. to slow down.
0: <laughs> and it just underscore something that you have said so many times and that I really take the heart, which is that um, people are messy and people are unpredictable. Otherwise, uh, we wouldn't be doing what we do. So uh, right. we've seen it once again. A lot of these allegations in the story surround workplace travel environments. And we see this a lot. Uh, misbehavior that occurs when employees are away from home and their office. How can an organization ensure that its cultural expectations are fixed within the employees themselves and not within a location?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a really good question, Bill. And, and it's interesting because as as I was prepping for this particular episode, I was reminded of the first time that I got to be a guest on the Diane Reams show, which for those of you who are listening on the East Coast, you know, you may recall Diane Reams was a, a longtime um host on the, the DC public radio. And she invited me on for the first time way back in the early 2000s with Herman Cain's issues um, with very similar kind of travel-related hotel shenanigans, right? And I said it then, and I'll say it now, which is managers need to be able to talk to their people openly about expectations, whether you are in the office, in a client site, or on the road, right? It's that simple. They're at work. They should be behaving like they're at work. And If you don't talk to your managers about the expectations of people when they are representing the FDIC, then you wind up in these kinds of situations. Now, a lot of people would push back and say, well, we can't police their off hours. And that's true to an extent but you're paying their bills, right? You're seeing their reimbursement requests. You're looking at receipts. And if you are seeing patterns of behavior that are troubling, you know, with, with um, kind of some of the, the things that were in the wall street journal piece with very excessive levels of drinking. I believe one of the jokes was, if you haven't puked, you haven't been a trainee, right? Like that is something that the organization has an obligation to look into and check, because I would also posit that if, you, if that is the attitude about drinking on the job, then perhaps your folks are not doing their very best work when they wake up the next morning bleary-eyed because they were you know doing vodka shots at the rooftop pool.
0: Another interesting point raised was how regional offices at the FDIC were essentially run as fiefdoms, which mm-hmm. allowed managers to ignore or perpetuate whatever misbehavior they wanted. So my question to you is, how does a fiefdom culture arise? And once one has taken root, How does an organization address it?
1: When you have situations where you are knowingly moving managers around, right? You have managers who are engaged in certain types of behavior. And rather than addressing the issue, you move them to a different location. That is how you wind up with fiefdoms. When you have, when you give um, particular regional leaders so much control over the culture in their organization that is how you wind up with fiefdoms. It's probably an overstatement to exactly compare what's going on at the FTIC with what happened inside the Catholic Church. But again, you move people around. The response to misconduct is not to address the issue, it's to move the person. Anytime you're engaging in that kind of behavior, that is going to be one of the results, is that you wind up um, taking cultures from one place to the other, and you wind up with managers and regional leaders who are really in control of their area in a way that is damaging to the culture of the organization.
0: A lot of the follow-up coverage has focused on FDIC Chair Martin Grunberg, his mm-hmm. own management style and widespread calls for his resignation. Yeah. He was sworn in as head in early 2023, but he's been with the FDIC since, I think, 2005. So yep. what does his rise amid such a toxic environment tell you about speak-up culture and tone from the top?
1: I am very sympathetic to the people who are calling for his resignation because I don't know that you can culture change at the FDIC in the way that needs to be, that it, where it needs to happen. With him in seat. Um, At the end of the day, he is in charge. At the FDIC, he is the person who is setting direction. Um, And yes, they have followed the tried and true playbook of bringing in a law firm to conduct an investigation. And I'm sure that that will be done thoroughly and diligently um, by by outside counsel. But at the end of the day, outside counsel is going to leave and it is going to be up to the people at the FDIC to accept change or not. And if he is still in seat, I have very serious questions as to whether or not um, they will be able to actually effectuate uh, appropriate levels of change. Because when when you know when you have someone who has risen up through the ranks the way that he has, um, who has been with the organization as long as he has, and where you have that level of misconduct that has happened under his tenure where there were absolutely signs, right? I, I cannot believe for a nanosecond that the HR department at the FDIC did not understand that there was significant turnover. I cannot believe for a nanosecond that they were not doing demographic um, analysis on their dropout rates for their trainees. And all of that should have been data that he was looking at in his capacity, even if we only uh, look at his capacity as chair, right? That is absolutely data. The readiness of the FDIC to engage in the level of bank examination that they are statutorily required to do Um, that is something that he should have been looking at in his tenure as chair. And if he wasn't, then that's yet another reason for him to leave.
0: Perhaps the most damning part of the article for me was the connection that the journal drew between the FDIC's toxic workplace culture, its subsequent inability to hire or retain talent, its Mm -hmm. lack of bandwidth for examining banks, and then the preventable failures this spring of Signature Bank, First Republic Bank, and Silicon Valley Bank. What do you take away from all of that?
1: You know, at, at the end of the day... Every organization, it, their most important asset is their people. And if you have a situation where you are bringing people in and turning people out because of the environment, the workplace environment that they're operating in, then you have a, a an environment that is going to be not is going to be ill prepared to meet the risks. Um, in this particular case, this is an oversight organization that was supposed to be engaging in a certain level of bank examination and didn't have the, the staff to be able to do it. And part of the reason they didn't have the staff to be able to do it is they turned very good people in and then out of the organization, right? Um, many of the women who were interviewed for the article talked about the fact that they left because they didn't feel like they could get promoted in the work environment that the FDIC had in place because, you know, they were their their talents were being wasted, essentially. Every one of them has gone and found other places to be and other, mm-hmm. um, other environments that welcomed their talent. It is incumbent upon an organization to figure out why it is not able to retain talent. And, you know, everything that that I read in this Wall Street Journal piece, including, by the way, the report from their inspector general, right? So the FDIC has an oversight body that engaged in a, a review of the FDIC and called certain things to the FDIC's attention. It is a it's a sad, it's just, it's a sad story that, um, and and I think, and we saw, you know, we saw the regrettable results of the fact that they were not able to hold on to talent. You know, you and I often talk about when we do these, these react videos, um, we talk about what, you know, Can can we find a silver lining, right, in all of this? Is right. there a lesson for compliance professionals that are listening in? And I think one of the lessons would be, you know, the FDIC is not alone in the cost of turnover, right? There was a particular line item associated with their trainee program, but every organization that churns employees faces a cost as a result of that churn. And so, you know, you and I have talked often, Bill, about looking at your churn trends, right? Looking at your churn trends by demographic, looking at your churn trends by location, looking at where people are willing to go work and potentially Not willing to go work, right? So to go back to your fiefdom comment, if there are particular fiefdoms that I don't want to go be a part of, you know, I, as the control functions inside of my organization, really ought to think about why, right? What is happening in that part of the business? That is causing people to not want to take that next opportunity, right? Even if it is an up-level opportunity. Um, there was one example in the the um, in the piece about a manager who had been moved around a couple of times by the FDIC yeah. and the impact on the different places that he had gone. And if you are having to transfer managers like that, right? What is what is motivating that? What's the what's the piece below that? Now, I do want to be fair to the FDIC's HR department. It is very hard very hard to performance manage out a federal employee right there are lots and lots and lots of protections yeah. but but that's not that dissimilar to other workforces that are heavily unionized or have you know have statutory protections in place and people manage to work with those limitations and still keep an eye on their people so it is possible yeah. it's more difficult right but it is possible um and that would be the thing that i would take away if i was a compliance officer listening to, to us talk about this particular news story is you know, not only abject horror as a taxpayer, um, so which was was one of my pieces of reaction, um, but also just the fact that, you know, you need to go look at your own turnover numbers and see if there's a story that you're not seeing.
0: Right now, there is somebody watching or listening to this episode who is in a toxic workplace environment themselves, and they don't know what to do about it. What would you have to say to them, to their immediate manager, to their SECO, and to their CEO?
1: It's so hard, Bill, when you find yourself inside one of those workplace environments because um, it can it can feel like there's nothing you can do, right? And in fact, if you look at this Wall Street Journal story, every one of the employees that they spoke, or mo- the most of the employees that they spoke to had left the FDIC, right? They yeah. went and found someplace else to be. And that is an option, right? You know, the, the, those kinds of cultures, um, uh, you don't have to subject yourself to them. Now, that said, The FDIC is also an interesting example, much like the World Bank was um, uh, in the early 2000s, because those are specialized skills that you can't just take and use somewhere else. It's a a slightly closed ecosystem, which makes it harder for people to speak up, kind of like, Bill, our conversation about the Spanish football, uh, uh, the the Spanish women's football team, right? Um, Right. uh, You know, it is a closed ecosystem where it is harder to have the courage to speak up. But change is possible. And if you can find somebody inside the organization that can be an ally, um, then then, you know, speaking out is 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 something that can really effectuate change. And you see that, um, you know, we didn't do the good news part of the Spanish women's football team. um, But that particular individual that you and I talked about, Bill, over the course of the summer is no longer with the Spanish Soccer Federation. Right. So it is possible. Right. It's not easy, but it's possible. (laughs)
0: To a manager in this situation, maybe not somebody who Mm -hmm. is themselves directly experiencing toxic behavior, but they're seeing it, it's being surfaced up or being elevated to them. We talk an awful lot about the really important role a manager has in being kind of the living avatar workplace culture. In this kind of hypothetical situation, what do you have to say to the manager?
1: Arm yourself with the tools of the costs of the business for the environment that is being allowed to perpetuate, right? Turnover is expensive. Well, it may not be FDIC level expensive, but the last stat that I saw is, is it's about 150% of salary, right? So whatever role you're at, take that, take that person's you know salary, multiply it by 150%, and and there you have the cost of of that person walking out the door. Our people, no matter what organization you're you're in, our people are our most important asset, and you as a manager have a responsibility to safeguard that asset. And so go find your ally. Um, and 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 see see if 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 together you can't effectually change
0: erica as always it's terrific to have you on the show thank you so much for joining us
1: yeah my pleasure bill absolutely this one's a good story anybody out there who hasn't gone and read the piece bill's going to link it in the show notes give it a read and see what parallels you can pull out to to ask yourself how could it happen here
0: To learn more about speak up culture, organizational justice, and the role that managers play in upholding ethics, please visit the Ethisphere Resource Center at ethisphere.com and hit the resources tab for a wealth of helpful videos, reports, toolkits, and more. I'm Bill Coffin, and this has been the Ethicast. For more episodes, please visit the Ethisphere YouTube channel at youtube.com slash ethisphere. And if this is your first time enjoying the show, please make sure to like and subscribe either on YouTube or on our podcasting platforms at Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon Music. Thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, remember, strong ethics is good business.